0: Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3.
1: Uh, the West and Asia are, and are, are more intertwined and interdependent than any time in history. Underneath it, though, Westerners and Asians, let's be honest, remain uh, quite different in terms of our values, our priorities, even our style of communication and belief. My guest in studio sto- this morning, Steve McGinnis, author and speaker. Uh, the new book is Surfing the Asian Wave, How to Survive and Thrive in the New Global Reality. Steve, good morning. Thanks for being with us on Money FM. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this idea, of course, you know, look, there's been trade and, and commerce happening for hundreds and hundreds of years across this region. So we know that that East and West are different. But what are you finding in this book about um, what's relevant in in the year 2020 about our differences or or maybe in some of our shared uh, commonalities? Well, I think it's never
0: been more relevant than it is right now. You just need to look at the covers of any magazine, any newspaper. You have the two largest economies epitomizing the difference. You have Asia and, and the West in, as you say, fundamentally different. Uh, The West is valuing action, the individual, uh, immediacy, whereas Asia is much more about harmony, about the family, and about longer term planning. Uh, One of the interviewees made the remark that uh, in the West we're increasingly obsessed with quarterly reports, Mm. whereas Asia is thinking in terms of human history. Mm -hmm. And how do you have such incompatible mindsets so interwoven? in the economy and in culture and in society now. And it's going to cause some, some
1: conflicts and huge opportunities as well. Yeah, we've seen. I mean, even going back, let's say thirty years, when we when uh, when when Japan was buying America in the eighties, you know, the late eighties. Even then, the the tone was, you know, Japanese and others, and then it was the Koreans, and then it's the Chinese. You know, it, many of the Asian cultures have this view of years ahead, and like you say, not just the next quarterly report that we typically have in North America or in Europe or or other places in the West. How do we then blend that? How what is been the se- those who have succeeded, how have they been able to b- blend a sort of Western company and mentality in with what is needed in Asia? Well, the fundamental
0: need is to understand that the difference exists. Mm. You know, as you mentioned, thousands of years the West and Asia have been trading and interacting, but those were a few people who were traveling a long way. There was a, there was a, uh, an awareness that there was a difference. So you travel for hundreds of miles, thousands of miles across the trade routes. When my father first came to Singapore, it took him four months on a Navy ship. Right. Now you get on a plane in, in, in Heathrow and you're in Shanghai within five, six hours. In eight hours, you're in Singapore. So the immediacy is there. But that difference is disguised by the surface similarities. So you go to London, you go to Shanghai, you go to Singapore, you go to Tokyo, you see the same brands. You see the same stores, you see the same restaurants, and it's easy to be uh, confused by the similarities and think things are underneath it the same, but they're not. And the act of recognizing that there's a difference, that is the majority of the need, rather than coming into the situations, into the meetings, into the business deals, on the assumption that your way of thinking is the only way of thinking. The moment you acknowledge that perhaps the people on the other side of the table might not be seeing things the way I am, That is most of the battle, but unfortunately, that is where most people
1: on both sides are blind.: I remember uh, covering uh, a lot of business stories uh, when I was living and based in Japan in, in the early '90s, and American businessmen would come over and try and do a deal with the Japanese, and, and they would have their meeting, you know, their one- hour meeting or two-hour meetings and walk out and say, "I think that went pretty well. Everybody said yes, yes, yes," and agreed to everything we were talking about. And then they'd get home, and of course, you know, the yes" didn't mean yes" to the deal. The yes meant "Yes, I hear you," or yes, I understand what you're saying." And so there has often been that shift in understanding, culturally speaking. Uh, and I am speaking with Steve McGinnis, who is the author of Surfing the Asian Wave. It, when you look at um, how companies are moving forward, you know, they're in the trenches and you talk to a lot of thinkers, a lot of high-level mm-hmm. executives for yeah. your book. Um, what are they saying? What, you know, the, those who have come from the West – Is it a a matter of just listening more or being more respectful? What are some of the keys to their success? In many ways,
0: the epitome of the successful Western businessman is the exact opposite of the values and behaviors that are most wanted in Asia. Hmm. So you look at perhaps something like Silicon Valley, brilliant jerks, you know, guys who are absolutely terrible to work with uh, didactic bullying but they're brilliant Mm. they have great ideas so they're put up with failure well you're not considered credible until you've had three bankruptcies and teams will be built around you things have got to be done tomorrow things have got to disrupt it's disruption it's change it's breaking up the old model those are what people seem to think we want we look at asia we look much more about continuity we look at family businesses Mm. we look at harmony We look at positive growth, things that are valued that actually genuinely deliver growth, that genuinely deliver economic success, as opposed to change, disruption, blowing things up. So it's almost as though most of the things that we need to drop are those things that we most value. And we need to take on board those characteristics that we don't necessarily value. Whereas uh, the experience I've talked to to lecturers and business people, I talked to um, the the, the president and CEO of Remy Quantro, who talked about what shocked him was the need for the relationships. He was all about numbers and delivery and action. But in Asia, it was the relationship, the length of that relationship, the Mm -hmm. trust that got built up. Talking to the uh, the head of uh, household globally for Unilever, he was talking about the role of family. Family being a a factor to bring into the workplace. What did somebody's parents think about promotion? What did somebody's family think about potential move? Things he'd never factored in and never thought of. So it's, as you say, taking the best of both of these worlds. But the hard bit, and again, that most people aren't even aware of, is that there is even a difference. That the way that they're seeing Mm. the world isn't the only way of seeing it.
1: So is there uh, there kind of a Venn diagram that can be drawn here between West and East? And as you mentioned, the West has a certain way of pushing and doing things. The East values, the harmony, the family, those sorts of things. Is there some sort of meeting in the middle where both both edges uh, at whatever fringe level Um, actually make sense and work together, push a little bit harder from the West, but accept more from the East?
0: Absolutely. And uh, if you look at some of the most successful Asian CEOs, they come from traditional, respectful, harmonious backgrounds. They understand the structure, they understand the culture, but they've been educated in the West. And they come back with that understanding. They bring the cherry-picked best behaviours of mm. let's just get it done sometimes. Sometimes now is better than later. Sometimes just delivering it is what we need to do and worry about the repercussions later. And they, can, they have a new toolbox of understanding and they can bring that back into the large Japanese, Korean, Chinese businesses and bring the best of both worlds. Similarly, when you look at the very, very successful uh, American businessmen, they tend to be more mindful. They tend to be more long-term. You look at the Buffets with their long-term visions. You look at Elon Musk looking for a bigger and better world, not just his profit lines. You look at even Steve Jobs with his appreciation of philosophy and design and the aesthetic. Those are traditionally Asian values that have been brought to Western businesses highly successfully. At the moment, however, I think the overlap on that Venn diagram is too small.
1: Yeah. It's interesting you bring up that second category, the Western businesses that have sort of adopted, let's call them Asian principles for uh, uh, sake of, of ease here. Because you know often this discussion is about how Asia needs to change in quotes right to become more Western and more quote unquote successful but what about what about that reverse flow of of knowledge and appreciation? Now you mentioned several key uh, things Apple and Warren Buffett and Elon Musk, but it seems like that transference of of knowledge going back to the West and appreciation for the eastern side of things is smaller. Than what the Eastern cultures are taking from the West is do, do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Agree. And, and and how do we how do we switch that or how do we amp up what's going back to the the Western cultures?
0: Well, I think actually even our understanding and our appreciation of the scale of those two things is uh, underpinned by the behaviors. So when an American business buys an Asian business, mm. there's huge press releases, there's big fuss, a huge noise made about it. When an Asian business buys a Western business very quietly done. Hmm. Let's wait until it succeeds mm-hmm. and then slowly build that business up. There's no over-promise. Yeah. There's, no, there's no boasting. So I think the, 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 uh, the influence of Asian businesses in the West, whether it's Australia, whether it's Europe, whether it's North America, is actually much stronger than most people actually probably appreciate, simply by the nature of how we do it. And I think China and Korea, Japan, Singapore have done a fantastic job of taking on those behaviors hmm. to their benefit. And my belief, and again, this came from a few different people I interviewed, is that the West is sorely lacking in taking on similar levels of, of best practice and behaviors
1: from yeah. their Asian counterparts. Now, in the book, uh, Surfing the Asian Wave, uh, talking with author and speaker Steve McGinnis in Surfing the Asian Wave, you, you point out 11 key areas of cultural and psychological difference between Asia and the West. And, and then you have chapter subjects including relationships, power, family, risk and face, corruption, cronyism. To you, did, did one or more of those 11 key areas stand out as the pain, you know, the ultimate pain point or pivot point uh, for success uh, between East and West?
0: Yeah, I think it was really down to risk aversion and uh, face, mm. was uh, over and over heard of examples of where Westerners had believed the room agreed with them, Westerners had <laughs> become frustrated because they didn't feel they are getting the buy-in, Westerners were annoyed because they didn't feel the enthusiasm was there mm. or the risk-taking was there, and that was really a misunderstanding uh, of the situation. Um, Because there is now so little repercussion to failure in the West. As Mm. we said earlier, in some ways it's a credibility builder. Mm. Uh, And hearing lecturers and business people talking about how they would accidentally humiliate or humble a room full of people by demanding answers from them publicly, by putting them on the spot, by not understanding why people weren't generating ideas themselves. Um, And what I think it fundamentally comes down to is this, this difference, whereas a Westerner may see the opportunity to make themselves look smart, an Asian may see the chance of making themselves look foolish. Hmm. So putting your hand in the air and shouting something out can go both ways. Hmm. And the shame and the repercussions when you're disrupting the the harmony uh, and what that can bring to your business and your family, the Westerners, we would just brush off. Yeah. And that, I think, is at the heart of a lot of these misunderstandings. It's not seen as... Uh, as, as, as good behavior to boast and shout and show off how clever you are. It's much more valued to be respectful and, and listen and learn, whereas we confuse that with people not having anything to say.
1: Hmm. Interesting. You know, you've had a successful career uh, over 20 years in the design field. And do you feel like, you know, now that you've done this book and all this great research, do you recognize places in your own past, in your own business history, where you're like, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That was, you know, that was a big faux pas on my part. Do do you see any of the the challenges that maybe you had in your own career? Oh, absolutely.
0: For a long time. What would you have done differently? Well, I I misstood uh, action for character. Whereas I think oh. we, we tend to think that, what did I do at that last meeting? What did I deliver in that last project? Yeah. Uh, and thinking that is how you're going to be valued. And in fact, it's more about your character, who you are as a person, what you're going to bring to a long-term relationship. Hmm. Whereas we tend to think we're being judged by the last piece of work. Similarly, I think we put in an artificial break between work-life and our outside of work life our family our friends now i think some of the behaviors of uh, some of the western business people can ne- not necessarily reflect well on them and they're being judged as much by that as they are uh, and how they talk and how they act in the boardroom very interesting and overpromising yeah overpromising overpromising saying what we don't necessarily know saying what we think we know overselling and underdelivering
1: versus the the, the reverse of that huh? absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah very interesting steve where can uh, people find the book
0: uh, right now, it's available in all good bookstores and some bad bookstores <laughs> in Singapore. Uh, and the,
1: w- the ones that are left.
0: <laughs> absolutely. And it's on an, as an ebook on the usual suspects, on Kindle, on uh, Amazon Play, or on Google Play, on Apple Books. And it will be available in the UK and the US in
1: June. And the book is called Surfing the Asian Wave, How to Survive and Thrive in the New Global Reality. The author is Steve McGinnis. Steve, thanks so much for being with us on Money FM. Thanks, Glenn. To listen to more great interviews, download our
0: podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.